0: Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. No end in sight for the conflict in Ukraine after Tuesday's peace talks. Ukraine and Western allies dismissing Russian claims of a military pullback. Russia and China have agreed to expand cooperation further and a poll shows that a majority of Americans agree to sanctions against Beijing if it chooses to aid Moscow. A Russian who owns a hotel in Serbia welcomes Ukrainians fleeing the war. He says he left Russia in 2014 over shame after Russia's annexation of Crimea. More controversy surrounding the Wuhan virus lab. Documents show the National Institutes of Health deleted virus genetic sequencing information at the lab's request. Kremlin says no breakthrough following yesterday's peace talks in Istanbul and Ukraine says it's skeptical of Russia's military pullbacks. Entity's Jessica Beatty reports.
1: Ukraine's dismissing Russian claims of a military pullback. Russia said Tuesday it would reduce operations near Kyiv and another city because of peace talks. But Ukraine's president says Ukrainians are not naive.
2: Ukrainians have already learned during these 34 days of invasion and over the past eight years of the war in Donbass that only a concrete results can be trusted.
1: Ukraine's Western allies agree. America's top diplomat says Russia continues to brutalize Ukraine.
2: There
3: is what Russia says and there is what Russia does. We're focused on the latter.
1: According to CNN, major artillery and rocket fire were heard in Kyiv Tuesday night. U.S. military officials say there's been a small reduction in Russian forces, but that doesn't mean the threat to Kyiv is over.
4: But we believe that this
5: is
0: a repositioning, not a real withdrawal, and that we all should be prepared to watch for a major offensive against other areas of Ukraine. The U.S.
1: European command leader told Congress Tuesday the U.S. will likely need to add more permanent or rotational forces in Europe.
3: And and my suspicion is we're going to still need more. And obviously there's always a mix between the requirement of permanent versus rotational. And there are pluses and minuses of each one. We'll have to continue to examine the European contributions to make a smart decision.
1: He also appeared to walk back President Biden's remarks that the United States is training Ukrainian forces in Poland. He said there are liaisons giving advice, but that's different from training. Meanwhile, Ukrainian troops have liberated a village in the eastern Kharkiv region. But you can still see the recent presence of Russian troops. One Ukrainian serviceman says life is being restored.
2: THE FURTHER WE PUSH THEM BACK, THE CLOSER WE ARE TO THE CIVILIANS WHO USED TO LIVE IN THE OCCUPIED VILLAGES. WHEN PEOPLE SEE US, THEY SMILE BECAUSE THEY CAN FINALLY LEAVE THEIR HOUSES AND TALK TO US.
1: THIS WEEK, LEADERS OF THE TWO RUSSIAN-BACKED SEPARATIST REGIONS SAID THEY MAY CONSIDER JOINING RUSSIA, BUT KYIV SAID ANY REFERENDUMS WOULD HAVE NO LEGAL BASIS. JESSICA Beatty, NTD NEWS.
0: RUSSIA AND CHINA'S FOREIGN MINISTERS SAY THE TWO COUNTRIES WILL FURTHER WIDEN THEIR COOPERATION. A poll shows a majority of Americans agree with sanctioning Beijing if it does aid Moscow's invasion.
2: Moscow and Beijing have agreed to expand cooperation. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov delivered message at a conference in eastern China when he met with his Chinese counterpart Wang Yi.
6: Our leaders, President Putin and Xi Jinping, agreed on this. Commenting on the
2: situation, a Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman restated the regime's no-limit ties with Russia.
6: China-Russia relations are non-aligned, non-confrontational, and not targeted at any third party.
2: The Chinese Communist Party stressed its close partnership with Russia shortly before the war in Ukraine began. It has consistently refused to condemn Moscow or join international sanctions against it, though the regime also denies claims of economic or military aid to Russia. NATO leaders have called on Beijing to refrain from providing such assistance. In an earlier phone call with Chinese leader Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping Biden also warned of consequences if he chooses to support Putin. Within the United States, a majority favors sanctions against China if it provides support for Russia. A recent poll shows some 78% of Republicans, 70% of Democrats, and 76% of independents agree. The poll was conducted by nonprofit Convention of States Action in partnership with pollster Trafalgar Group.
0: As many criticize Russia for its invasion of Ukraine, Senator Marco Rubio says the real threat is the Chinese Communist Party. He spoke at the Heritage Foundation and said America's dependence on the CCP is a threat to national security. Entity's Jason Perry has the story.
2: Think about all the things that we depend on China and its manufacturing capacity to provide. Imagine being cut off from it.
7: Senator Mark Rubio says the Chinese Communist Party, or the CCP, is the United States' greatest threat.
2: For over two decades, China methodically undermined our economic strength by stealing our critical technology, our manufacturing capacity, our jobs. We did nothing while they destroyed our social cohesion by luring away those jobs and as a result hollowing out once vibrant cities and communities.
7: And he said the CCP has infiltrated every segment of American society, including government, business, academia, and entertainment, while they flood our streets with fentanyl. Rubio said he had a bill that would have prevented goods made by slave labor in China from being imported to America, but he blamed American companies for lobbying against it.
2: We can no longer afford to allow public policy towards China to be held hostage. By leftist radicalism, by lack of corporate patriotism, because China is no longer hiding its strength and biding its time.
7: With the CCP's growing influence over the global market and supply lines, Rubio said if we did get into a conflict with China, they could cut America off from many things, including the rare earth minerals needed to power America's weapon systems. Rubio said to prevent that, the United States needs to increase its own industrial capacity, especially in critical industries like semiconductors and pharmaceuticals.
0: Jason Perry, NTD News. Many Americans are trying to help Ukrainians impacted by the war in any way they can. A woman from New York is flying to Poland to assist refugees, and a dance company in Chicago is providing free virtual lessons to children in Ukraine. Let's take a look.
4: Retail analyst Mary Eppner from New York City is flying to Warsaw, Poland to help refugees fleeing Ukraine. With years of experience of working in retail and managing logistics, she says she hopes to help on the ground.
1: Well, I think like
8: everybody else out there, we were watching the TV all the time and seeing the images and they need help. And they were doing so much to help themselves, yet it wasn't enough. So I was thinking about what could we do to help?
4: Epner connected herself with a humanitarian relief project called Help Ukraine 22. She packed six suitcases of supplies to take with her, and she plans to help with the logistics of getting people from the border to Warsaw and getting supplies from Warsaw to the border.
8: In those suitcases, we have Advil, we have gauze pads, we have tape, we have glucose meters, we have the um, medicine to stop bleeding... And band-aids, a lot of band-aids. So we're ready. It's what they asked for, so we
0: got those six bags worth.
4: Epner will be in Warsaw for two weeks, from March 27th until April 10th. And in Chicago, a Ukrainian dance ensemble is offering children in Ukraine free virtual lessons every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning.
8: The Real purpose of this is to show them the beauty of their culture and to put a smile in their, on their face throughout um, a time that sometimes they might not really know what's going on just as you said or sometimes they might feel that fear and it's to kind of eradicate all that for those 45 minutes give them that peace give them that sign of their culture
4: the class sizes and the children's ages vary greatly with some classes drawing up to 20 participants between the ages of 6 to 10 members of the dance company vow to continue providing the free lessons for as long as the need is there
8: We will continue doing this until there are zero kids, or even we'll come back the next week because maybe that week was hard for them. Um, But we're going to keep doing this because we know that it's important to them.
4: The ensemble has only been streaming the classes for a few weeks now, but they say they can tell the lessons are having a positive impact on the children.
0: Russian hotel owner Mikhail Golubstov owns a cozy inn in central Serbia. He says it was partly the shame, he feels, over Russia's invasion of Ukraine that persuaded him and his family to take in Ukrainians fleeing the war. At first, I
6: was in shock and I was so ashamed. For some time, I could not speak Russian. But when guests arrived and they spoke Russian to me, I spoke Russian as well. I think the only thing I can do now is to help Ukrainians somehow.
5: Many Ukrainian families have been torn apart. With most men aged 18 to 60 banned from leaving Ukraine as they may be called to fight in a war that, since its start one month ago, has killed thousands of civilians. Ukrainian English teacher and mother of three, Olga Manmar, is one of the so far 34 refugees who have found a safe haven at the hotel, having entered Serbia via Romania.
9: And I don't know how this magic works. You cross the border, you know, it's the same planet, but crossing the border, you feel safe. And it's. It's mad feeling, you know. It's the same, you know, same air, same ground. You look around, but you cross the border and you feel safe, but you feel so sorry about those who haven't crossed the border. That was very painful. The men cannot, you know, cross the border, so they would drive, and then...
5: Sorry. traveled with her friend Anna Nisogorova, a Russian married to a Ukrainian who had been living in Kyiv for the past 15 years. Nitsa Goradova, whose two children are also with her, said she felt nothing when she arrived.
9: In your mind, you understand that everything around you is very beautiful and very quiet, but you do not feel beauty, nothing. You simply want to cover yourself with a blanket for some time. I think we have all felt that because my children, it was like that. They lay down, wrapped themselves in blankets, looked at their phones, and did not want to
7: go anywhere.
5: The United Nations says 3.8 million Ukrainians have fled since the war began, most of them to Poland and Romania. Only around 2,500 have come to Serbia so far, mostly as a stopover on their journey to Western Europe. Hotel owner Golubsov, who left Russia in 2014 over what he called Moscow's unacceptable annexation of Crimea, says Ukrainian
0: refugees can stay at his serene spot for as long as they need, free of charge. Some lawmakers have set out to ban Russian uranium to counter Moscow's aggression against Ukraine. Looking to learn more about how this would affect Americans, I spoke with the CEO of Fission 3.0, Dev Hawa. He starts by telling us where the U.S. gets its uranium and how a Russian ban would affect energy prices.
3: Well, it would mean higher prices for sure and also having a source. About 20, uh, of all the crystal energy that America has comes from nuclear power. And since the United States has no uranium production at all, they import all of it, half of that comes from Russia. So therefore, if every, I mean, technically every 10th light bulb in America is, is powered by Russian uranium. So if that happened, the prices would certainly go higher. Um, in the long-term, I think the um, price will be paid more because Canada's got lots of uranium, um, for sure. Um, they can certainly supply it. They have an extra mine up there. They, they, they turned down when, this, when the prices were low, they turned down a mine. Chemicals of War is large uranium player outside of the Russian, Kazakhstan group, but they are, uh, they can turn a mine on. But the real issue is, there'll be a, a very short-term disruption. It could be a year, it could be three years, but it'll definitely drive up prices. Electricity, because whatever reason um, the U.S. has decided to, you know, be so dependent on Russian uranium.
0: The U.S. imports a lot of minerals from Russia, some of them rare earth. How has the conflict in Ukraine affected this?
3: Um, I think that fact more. I think the bigger concern. That's another example. Better, we've got to fix that problem. But China has most of the rare earth. but we are getting some some. That's the problem we have. You know, when I used to do presentations, I always had a slide on geopolitical issues, you know, how they would impact supply and demand. I took it out because no one asked about it. They always thought China and, and you know, Russia would play nice and they'll be okay in the sandbox. But so far, Russia has shown they're not going to be in that sandbox without kicking sand in someone's face like Ukraine. So I think we have an issue with Russia and China. So much of their earth is uh, controlled by uh but like lithium, every lithium project that's out there for batteries, um, China buys them <laughs> everywhere. I look, I got friends running companies in China, China, because they think three to five years ahead of time. For some reason, corporations in America think quarter by quarter, but they think far ahead. So they start thinking, okay, we need so many mines down the road. So it's, we need better planning, is what we need in a Western civilization, in Western economies. <laughs>
0: Australia has announced targeted sanctions on 14 Russian nationals. These individuals were involved in the corruption uncovered by Sergei Magnitsky. The sanctions also include 25 other co-conspirators in his abuse and murder. The specific measures will include asset freezes and travel bans. This is the first time the country has used the new Magnitsky-style laws. Australia's foreign minister says the sanctions are a tribute to Sergei Magnitsky as well as those who defend the rule of law. Magnitsky was a Ukrainian-born Russian lawyer and tax advisor. He exposed widespread corruption among Russian tax and law enforcement officials. He died in 2009 in a Russian prison after he was beaten and denied medical treatment. After his death, his friend Bill Browder lobbied for a global sanctions law to hold those responsible for his death accountable as well as those who commit serious human rights abuses around the world. Wheat shortages and increasing global fuel prices following the war in Ukraine have left thousands of Tunisians under further strain. This in a country already struggling with political deadlock and a public finance crisis.
9: As war rages in Ukraine, citizens in Tunisia are wandering between empty supermarket shelves and bread queues amid a deepening political and financial crisis impacting the country. The sharp rise in food prices is being seen firsthand. 58 year old Lofty has been running a small bakery shop in the Tunisian capital for 20 years and said he can no longer find flour or semolina to bake bread. He says he only worked for 13 days this month.
6: It's affected us so
10: much we can no longer work. Before this war, I could secure semolina every day in the range of 50 or 60 kilograms and make bread. With the war, we can no longer find even a little semolina for us to work with. This is a big crisis.
9: Tunisia is facing a political and economic crisis at home. The country, which subsidises domestic fuel prices and some foodstuffs, was already seeking a foreign rescue package before the war in Ukraine led to jumps in global prices of certain commodities. It's heading for a default if the current deterioration in its finances continues, investment bank Morgan Stanley has warned. And for everyday citizens like Hassan, life continues to be a struggle.
6: The shortage
5: of basic commodities and subsidised goods existed before this war, due to smuggling, monopoly and many other things. But now, with this war and the month of Ramadan, there is absolute poverty in Tunisia. We are living in a real crisis.
9: A small team of IMF staff visited Tunisia last week for further discussions about a possible financing programme. An IMF deal is seen as vital to unlock other possible financial assistance from donors that have repeatedly bailed out Tunisia over recent years.
0: A new report says the National Institutes of Health deleted genetic information about the virus from the Wuhan lab. The NIH did this at the Chinese lab's request. That's according to documents obtained by a nonprofit watchdog. That watchdog is the Empower Oversight Whistleblowers Research Group, or EO. It obtained the documents through a Freedom of Information Act request and a lawsuit. The group obtained over 230 pages of documents dating from 2020. Those include emails, memos, and other correspondence between the lab and multiple NIH officials. Two prominent officials are mentioned in the documents former NIH director at the time, Dr. Francis Collins, and Dr. Anthony Fauci. he said to have have actively participated in the discussions and decision-making at these documents described. Empower Oversight issued a statement Tuesday. It reads, On June 5, 2020, a Wuhan University researcher requested that NIH retract the researcher's submission of a bio-project because of an error. The Wuhan researcher explained, quote, I'm sorry for my wrong submitting. Three days later, the NIH turned down the researcher's request, and the agency advised that it prefers to edit or replace sequences as opposed to deleting them. But eight days later, NIH officials went ahead and deleted the genetic sequencing data, just like the Wuhan researcher requested. The researcher wanted to submit an updated version and withdraw the old one. Then the NIH concluded the discussion by saying it had withdrawn everything. The documents also say Collins and Fauci hosted a Sunday afternoon Zoom meeting that was after another researcher, Jesse Bloom, alerted the NIH about the deleted sequences. The documents further show the following. Quote, Professor Trevor Bedford of the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center later sent the group an email stating that the deleted data seemed to support the idea that the pandemic began outside the Huanan market in Wuhan, and that the matter must be analyzed properly. And if the virus did originate outside of that market, it would undermine the official claim by the Chinese regime and reinforce claims that experts in the U.S. and elsewhere have that the pandemic likely started inside the Wuhan lab. Florida is leading a multi-state lawsuit against the Biden administration. 21 states are suing over the mask mandate for public transportation, which extends to planes, buses, trains, and Uber rides. Florida's attorney general argues the mandate is outside of the scope of federal power. NTD's Grace Coulter has the story.
8: Florida is joining forces with 20 other states to sue the Biden administration over its public transportation mask mandate. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Attorney General Ashley Moody announced the lawsuit Tuesday They called the mandate unlawful and unscientific.
2: If you have somebody sitting in the window seat and they're nibbling on peanuts for two and a half hours, they can have their mask down. You have the person in the middle seat uh, that is not eating. If they just wanted to read a magazine without the mask, then somehow that would be a big problem.
8: The lawsuit comes days after the top executives of 10 major US airlines issued a joint letter to the president urging him to lift federal mask mandates on flights. They said it makes no sense, that people are still required to wear masks on airplanes, yet are allowed to congregate in other crowded spaces, despite none of these venues having the protective air filtration system that aircraft do. DeSantis's says the mandate could be deterring people from traveling, He and Moody also argue that it's caused frustration for both passengers and airline staff.
1: Watching mothers, exasperated fathers trying to control their young children, it has caused so much confusion, so much chaos, so much pressure on the employees. And as you know, the airlines themselves have demanded that the administration take a look at that and consider what they're forcing on them to do.
8: She pointed to the increase in unruly passenger situations. In 2021, the Federal Aviation Administration reported roughly 6,000 unruly passenger cases. Over 4,200 of those involved face masks. Earlier this month, the mask requirement was extended for another four weeks. And while the mandate is set to expire next month, the lawsuit seeks to end the requirement once and for all, so restrictions can't be reimposed in the future. Grace Coulter, NTD News.
0: The Florida governor also vetoed a new redistricting map approved by the Republican-controlled legislature. He said lawmakers followed the Florida Constitution but failed to comply with the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. He therefore called the map unconstitutional, saying it assigns voters primarily on the basis of race. DeSantis is calling lawmakers back into a special session in April to draw a new plan. The FDA is giving the green light to another COVID-19 booster, this one, for people ages 50 and older. The agency says it's a step to offer extra protection for the most vulnerable. Americans had mixed reactions to the news. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more.
11: Following the announcement, there were mixed reactions in a Milwaukee suburb on Tuesday. Debbie Haberman says she already had one booster and plans to get another.
4: Oh, I'm fully vaccinated. I've had all three shots already. And I believe everybody should do it. Uh, Common sense says, yeah, ounce of precaution, yeah, use it.
11: The latest expansion allows an extra shot for millions more Americans. But one lingering question is whether everyone who's eligible should get another dose.
4: If they've proven that it's not gonna hurt you, go ahead and take it. I mean, the, the worst it could be is you get a little shot, you owl for a couple minutes, and it's done. Yeah, and compared to not having something and the older you are the worse it hits you
11: But others like Jim Kazmarek haven't received any boosters just the two original doses and he says he doesn't plan to I'm
5: not going to clubbing places anymore. I mainly stay now. I go to taverns restaurants so I decided just to stay with the, the first two shots that I got and I'm waiting to see if there's any issues with the, with the after effects of these shots.
11: COVID-19 cases have dropped to low levels after the winter surge of the Omicron variant. According to CDC data, two vaccine doses plus a booster still provide strong protection against severe disease and death.
5: Until they come out with a real vaccine, uh, one where you get one shot or two, and then you're done. Not this constant boosting, boosting, boosting stuff. Uh, I think there's something in there that just isn't right.
11: Meanwhile, the BA2 variant is causing a worrisome jump in infections in Europe and spreading in the U.S. About two-thirds of Americans are fully vaccinated, but half of those eligible for a first booster haven't gotten one. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: The military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate has been blocked for all Navy members seeking religious exemptions, A preliminary injunction that covered 35 Navy SEALs now covers some 4,000 others. The judge in the case says none of the Navy service members that submitted religious exemption requests have been accommodated. He said that their jobs are all at risk. The Supreme Court recently sided with the Pentagon in the case, ruling that Navy commanders can consider a member's vaccination status when deciding on deployment. Mike Barry is a lawyer representing the plaintiffs in the case. He says the new ruling means anyone in the Navy whose religious accommodation was denied is now protected from any sort of punishment. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in August 2021 ordered all U.S. troops to get a COVID-19 vaccine. As of March 23rd, over 3,300 active duty Navy members requested a religious exemption from the mandate, along with over 800 reserve members. The Navy has kicked out 630 members so far for refusing to get the vaccine. Kentucky lawmakers passed a bill that includes banning abortions after 15 weeks and now goes to the governor's desk. The 15-week abortion ban has exemptions when the mother's life is at stake or if she could suffer serious bodily harm from the pregnancy. Currently, abortions in Kentucky are banned after 20 weeks of pregnancy. The bill is the latest round of abortion restrictions passed by the legislature in Kentucky since Republicans took control of the State House and Senate in 2016. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir is a Democrat. The bill was amended to add a measure regulating how fetal remains are handled. It requires that remains from an abortion or miscarriage have similar handling options as adult deaths. The measure would also give women the option to file for a death certificate. The Kentucky abortion ban is modeled after a Mississippi law. The U.S. Supreme Court is due to rule on that law by the end of June. The head of the Border Patrol says the U.S. is on track to reach more than one million illegal immigrant encounters so far in fiscal year 2022. Those encountered at the border are from 157 different countries. Raul Ortiz made the comments at the Border Security Expo in San Antonio, Fox News reported. The law enforcement agency noted a more than 100 percent month-over-month increase in February in two categories, family units and unaccompanied minors. March figures are expected to take the number of encounters over one million with six months left in the fiscal year. Ortiz noted that Border Patrol is currently understaffed and is facing further challenges due to the ongoing CCP virus pandemic. President Biden has faced criticism from Republicans over his handling of the border crisis. Many believe the situation has worsened due to the administration's reversal on immigration policies put in place by former President Donald Trump. The Justice Department says a former Yale School of Medicine employee has pleaded guilty to stealing 40 million dollars from the university. She used the money to buy expensive cars, real estate and holidays. According to court documents, Jamie Petroni began working for Yale's Department of Emergency Medicine in 2008. She had the authority to make and authorize certain purchases for the department. Prosecutors say she ordered millions of dollars of electronics from Yale vendors using Yale School of Medicine's funds. She would then arrange to have the shipment sent to an out-of-state business in exchange for money once the electronics were resold. She filed false tax returns and some years didn't file any federal tax returns. Petroni pleaded guilty to one count of filing a false tax return and one count of wire fraud. Both counts carry a combined sentence of up to 23 years in prison. She was released on a $1 million bond pending sentencing. She has also agreed to forfeit money, cars, and real estate property. Up next, Haitians protesting crime in their country burn a plane belonging to a U.S. missionary group. This follows peaceful protests in other parts of Haiti. And Iowa confirms two more cases of highly contagious bird flu. More than 1.5 million birds in the state are culled. That and more on NTD News. Haitian demonstrators are protesting against crime in the city of Lakai. They burned a plane belonging to U.S. missionary group Agape Flights. That's according to local media reports and a spokeswoman from the group. On videos posted on social media demonstrators can be seen climbing atop the aircraft and later pushing it throughout the airport runway. Haitian media report that protesters entered the local airport in the city which is in Haiti's southern peninsula even though police fired tear gas to keep them out. The missionary group is based in Venice, Florida, and it flies mail and humanitarian supplies to Caribbean countries. A spokeswoman said the ground team was safe and that preparations were being made to fly them back to the United States safely. The organization is still gathering information about the incident, she added. It was not immediately clear why the protesters targeted the plane. The incident followed peaceful protests in other parts of the country in which activists demanded the government do more to address gang violence including constant kidnappings get ready to spend even more for food the usda released its food price outlook for 2022 and they predict the cost of groceries will continue to skyrocket they say overall you could be spending up to four percent more for food by the end of this year The agency says the cost of many kitchen staples will rise. Dairy prices are expected to increase between 4 and 5 percent. Poultry could cost 6 to 7 percent more. And prices for cereals, baked goods, and sweets could go up 3 to 4 percent. If you think eating out could save you money, think again. The USDA also predicts restaurant prices will increase anywhere from 5.5 to 6.5 percent this year. Iowa agriculture officials have confirmed two more outbreaks of avian influenza in commercial chicken flocks. This comes after the state's first case of the year earlier this month. To further control the spread, the state has killed more than 1.5 million hens and turkeys. One of the incidents occurred on a farm in Guthrie County amid a flock of 1.5 million chickens. The other was at a turkey farm in Hamilton County where 28,000 birds were handled. These figures bring the total number of birds slaughtered this year to more than 8 million. A veterinarian said the infections may have come from migrating wild birds. But there's no direct threat to human health. Iowa Agriculture Department has announced a moratorium on all live bird shows. The order will remain in place for 30 days. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Naig said they've asked the USDA for assistance in dealing with the ongoing outbreak. Over to the West Coast, as California faces its ongoing drought, Governor Gavin Newsom on Monday signed an executive order pushing for more water conservation efforts from Californians. The cutbacks focus on cities and local water districts, which provide most of the water for California's 40 million people. Newsom's order directs the State Water Resources Control Board to consider requiring local water suppliers to move to Step 2 of their conservation plans. This assumes a water shortage of 20%. Level two typically restricts when people can use water for outdoor purposes, such as in areas like parks and cemeteries. Residents are also required to turn off decorative water features like fountains. The governor also called for a ban on the watering of grass outside of industrial and commercial buildings. For Sacramento homeowners, some watering restrictions have already been in place since early this month. A map from the U.S. Drought Monitor shows that nearly all of California is under severe or extreme drought. The National Football League made a rule change that greatly reduces the role of luck in winning a postseason game in overtime. Under the new rule, when a game goes into overtime, both teams will be given a chance to score. The old rules stopped the game as soon as one team scored. That gave an unfair advantage to whoever won the overtime coin toss, as the opposing team would have no chance to win if the coin toss winning team scored on their first drive. That's what happened last season in a playoff game where the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills in overtime. The Bills were shut out before they had any opportunity to score. The NFL passed the new rule at its annual meeting in a 29 to three vote. It only impacts postseason games. Coming up in Australia, miniature sheep are gaining popularity Demand is growing for a breed known as the baby doll Southdown, that are just two feet tall. A group of enthusiasts in Miami try to keep Hyali alive. The world's fastest ball sport took root in Miami in the 1970s and 80s, but has been in decline for decades. All that and more here in NTD News. The island of São Jorge is in the Azores Archipelago, an autonomous region of Portugal. It's been rocked by over 14,000 small earthquakes in seven days. Now one volcanologist is putting her skills to use to protect her home. Portugal's lush volcanic island of
12: São Jorge has been rocked by more than 14,000 small earthquakes in seven days. Volcanologist Fatima Vivieros is on a quest to find out why the island she grew up on keeps shaking. Vivieros was a little girl when she decided to become a volcanologist. I knew that I lived in an active volcanic system. I lived there until I was 15, which is when I left home. My house was in the area of the Manadas volcanic fissure system, one of the areas that is being most affected by the earthquakes. In theory, I knew this situation could happen. But in reality, when it's our home, we have to be a little cold-blooded so our feelings don't affect our thinking." Now, at age 44, she is putting her skills to use to protect her home. The recent tremors have reached a magnitude of up to 3.3 on the Richter scale. Vivieros and other experts fear they could trigger a volcanic eruption for the first time since
1: 1808.
12: We are monitoring the amount of gases that are being released through the soil. Essentially, we are measuring carbon dioxide and also hydrogen sulfide, one of the components of sulfur. Why is this important? Well, when we are trying to understand the volcanic system, all information must be gathered. Soil gases such as CO2 and sulfur are indicators of volcanic activity. So far, the levels remain normal. But the island's sudden increase in seismic activity is reminiscent of the earthquakes detected before the eruption of the Cumbre Vieja volcano on Spain's La Palma Island in 2021. Over 85 days, that eruption destroyed thousands of properties and crops. At the time, Vivieros traveled to La Palma to support the Canary Islands Volcanology Institute and monitor soil gases. She says San Jorge's volcanic system was similar to the one on the Spanish island. The region's Sivisa Seismovolcanic Surveillance Centre has raised the volcanic alert to level 4, meaning there is a real possibility the volcano could erupt. Authorities have said the eruption was not imminent, but around 1,500 people have left the island in recent days. Many have no idea when they will be able to return.
0: Small in size but big in personality, miniature sheep are popping up on hobby farms across Queensland, Australia. The Baby Doll Southdown breed is rare in the country, but demand is growing as word spreads. Let's take a look.
6: Baby Doll Southdown sheep are growing in popularity in Australia, and it's not hard to see why. These sheep are just two feet tall, and they have a teddy bear smile.
10: They just have a, a beautiful personality, and that shines through.
6: Joanna Willens owns a property in Queensland, Australia. There she operates just one of four studs in the world that breed the colored baby doll. She aims for brown and black wool to set her flock apart.
10: We picked up this ram and we put him in with the girls and he had some gorgeous colored babies. So we thought, wow, this is, this is something special, something different.
6: Willans is fielding interest from buyers as far away as South Australia. This rare breed of sheep won't be grazing in large scale pastures, But more and more hobby farmers are keen to get their hands on the tiny animals. One of them is Sally Parkinson, who owns a farm on the outskirts of Brisbane. The friendly and relaxed nature of these sheep make them perfect companions for her and the rest of her animals.
10: I think it's that, you know, the cute factor, the fact that they're miniature. And I could just see that on a small hobby farm style place that they would be um, a cute type of pet to have.
6: Parkinson has even been able to teach her little friends a few tricks. They just expect a food reward and a brush down afterwards.
0: Tasmania's Central Highlands is known as one of the last strongholds of the endangered Australian Eastern quoll. The creature's numbers are dwindling, but a pilot reintroduction program is underway to see whether the local population can be saved before it's too late. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more.
11: Trapping an eastern quoll is no easy task. Fortunately, the small Australian marsupials don't seem to mind.
2: So we, we actually find that some of the qualls, yeah, can get quite trap-happy. So they're used to the traps being there, and then they're ready to come out.
11: Last November, 20 captive bred quolls were released at Silver Plains in the central highlands of Tasmania in the hope they would breed with the local quolls and shore up the population.
2: So the way we get the best handle on that is looking at who how much genetic representation, so how many genes the animals from captivity have got into the population at Silver Plains here.
11: And because the qual traps can be popular, David sets some extra ones. At sunrise, it's time to see if any quals have found their way into the traps. It doesn't take long to come across a potential juvenile.
8: I'm just putting a bag over here, so hopefully she'll run in.
11: A quick scan confirms what they'd hoped. First. They weigh the quall, next, a tissue sample, so they can find out whether it's related to the captive bred qualls. Then, after a bit of poking and prodding, she's ready to be released. The stakes are high. The eastern quall was declared extinct on the mainland in the 60s. It's now only found in the wild in Tasmania. By starting conservation efforts before populations are critically low, they're hoping they get the upper hand. The final tally for the day is nine eastern qualls, one spotted quall, four curious Tasmanian devils, and one possum. Most importantly, two of the nine eastern quolls caught were juveniles, and their samples will be sent to the lab. Beyond boosting these creatures, researchers hope it will help inform similar reintroduction programs elsewhere. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Hiali is the world's fastest ball sport, but the game's popularity has been declining for decades. Now, a group of committed enthusiasts is doing all it can to save the game, which took root in Miami during the 1970s and 80s.
11: Magic City Casino, Miami. This is the last place the game is played as a professional sport. Elite athletes fling a goatskin ball called a pelota at 130 miles per hour in a three-walled court or fronton.
5: Well, High is a racket sport that uh, is about 400 years old and uh, came from the uh, Pyrenees Mountains in Spain, France, the Basque region, um, started traveling through throughout uh, North America in the 20s.
11: Benny Bueno oversees player operations at Dania Beach. He hopes High can make a comeback.
5: It's not really so much that the sport lost popularity, it was just that there was a lot of different options and other ways of viewing the sport that kind of led to people not coming
11: and watching it live. To speed up the sport, Magic City has reduced the size of the traditional frontone by nearly 60 feet. It also replaced the goatskin ball with a bouncier pelota that ricochets against plexiglass instead of the traditional granite wall. The goal is to reach younger online gamblers. And advertising means games are reaching a potential audience of 115 million households.
3: Our belief that the sport can be kept alive and have a resurgence is what keeps us going here. And it's why we want to keep going, why we keep it
7: open.
11: Less than a year after hosting its final regulation game, Dania Beach will hold a 10-day exhibition tournament next month. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Coming soon to a television near you, the dog that acts like a rabbit impersonating a chicken, better known as the Cadbury bunny. Cadbury holds an annual contest for its Cadbury bunny cream egg commercials and America gets to choose the winner. This year an adorable English doodle from Ohio named Annie Rose received the most votes. Annie Rose is a therapy dog who visits local nursing homes. In addition to being Cadbury's biggest star, Annie Rose will take home $5,000 in cash. And of course, those iconic bunny ears. NASA astronaut Mark VandeHei and the two Russian cosmonauts who were on the Soyuz MS-19 spacecraft are back on Earth and in good shape. The craft landed in Kazakhstan Wednesday morning, local time. Recovery crews were on hand to help the crew get out of the capsule. The three astronauts will soon be heading to their native countries. Vande 355-day mission was historic, breaking the record for the longest single space flight by a U.S. astronaut. NASA officials say this mission helped pave the way for, quote, future human explorers on the Moon, Mars, and beyond. During the mission, Vande and Russian cosmonaut Peter Dubrov traveled more than 150 million miles around the planet. This summer, the highway to the danger zone will be laden with ice Iceman, that is. A newly released trailer for Top Gun Maverick reveals a bit about the role Val Kilmer is set to reprise in the film. It shows John Hamm's character telling Maverick he's been called back to teach at Iceman's Beheast. The original 1986 film ended with the frenemies ribbing each other about who could be the other's wingman. The trailer also shows another callback to the first film with the introduction of Goose's son, Apparently, Rooster, as he's called, still blames Maverick for his father's death and doesn't trust him. Also, a couple shots of scantily clad pilots holding a football on a beach appear to tease the film may have an updated version of the original's gratuitous volleyball scene. Top Gun Maverick is slated to satisfy your need for speed in theaters May 27th. Lemon water is a great way to start the day. Here's Gina Marie who brings us Strong Mind and Body. Welcome to
10: Strong Mind and Body, I'm Gina Marie. Did you know that lemons have more potassium than apples and grapes? This interesting fact is just one of the many reasons why drinking lemon juice every morning can impact your health. Starting your day with lemon juice is an excellent way to boost vitality, increase energy and cleanse out your system. The first thing you put in your body each day can have a big impact on your productivity and mood. That's why it's recommended to start the day with a warm glass of lemon water. You can use anywhere from one half to a whole lemon each morning. So let's look at nine benefits. Number one, boosts your immune system. Since lemon juice is filled with vitamin C, it provides a natural and powerful source of immune health When you are tired, stressed, or overworked, vitamin C levels are the first to go down. Number two supports digestion. In addition to supporting health digestion, lemon juice helps rid the intestinal tract of toxins. Lemons are filled with vitamins and minerals, which help to alleviate things like heartburn and bloating. Number three, cleans out your system. Lemon juice is packed with powerful vitamins and minerals that flush harmful toxins from your system. Number four, decreases inflammation. Much disease stems from inflammation, and drinking lemon juice frequently helps reduce the acidity in your body. That helps decrease inflammation. Number five, helps to improve weight loss. Lemon juice contains a lot of pectin fiber which helps fight hunger cravings. Number 6 it clears up your skin because lemon juice is high in antioxidants. The vitamin C helps to decrease blemishes and wrinkles. The overall detoxifying nature of lemons also contributes to clear skin. Number 7 helps to fight infections. A glass of warm lemon water is perfect to help fight off infections. Not only does it boost your immune system, it helps to prevent things like sore throats brought on by viral infections. Number eight gives you an energy boost. As lemon juice improves digestion, it provides your body with an energy boost when it enters your digestive tract. And number nine, excellent source of potassium. Potassium is important for brain, nerve, and heart health, and lemon juice is filled with it. Add lemon water to your daily routine to start the day with a detoxifying and refreshing warm drink. You won't regret incorporating this powerful anti-inflammatory beverage into your life.
0: Thank you for joining us. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.